This is Scotland's Talking. Call 0333 2020 401. This is Clyde 2. Good morning and happy Easter. I'm Rob Wallace sitting in for Ali. Coming up on the programme between now and midday. Tell me, would you ban the burger vans that sit outside school gates? It's one of the Scottish Tories' ideas for cutting obesity in Scotland, but a campaigner is telling us it's complicated. Restrictions on their own or just bans from letting children out of school don't work. There's been a high-profile condemnation this week of some horrible emails that were going around inciting violence against Muslims and Catholics. There's a young girl at high school who was asked if someone could pull her hijab off and film it so they could earn 25 points as part of this Punish a Muslim campaign. It's been condemned by campaigners like Nil by Mouth. This is really one of the most spineless and gutless ways of expressing sectarian behaviour in Scotland. But my question for you is, is this behaviour that's quite frankly childish better to be condemned or just ignored? And we're also asking whether you think doctors should be encouraging smokers to switch to vaping or not. If you can't get there, like I can't get there, then pick the lowest risk option. The lowest risk option is to vape. So I do believe doctors should be able to tell people that. That's Neil McCallum, but he would say that because he runs a vaping shop. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. So I'd like to hear your thoughts this morning on school dinners. Now, I don't know about you, but I can remember what they looked and taste like, like it was yesterday. I can also remember that I had no choice. It was eat that or go hungry. Well, that's not the way it is these days. The town where I live, for example, you see a tidal wave of teenagers heading out of the high school at lunchtime. The Scottish Tories this week were calling for exclusion zones to be set up outside schools where the burger vans or the fast food joints are operating. Now, you may think I heard that before. Well, you did around 10 years ago. There were some local councils had started banning the vans, but there was a legal challenge which the councils lost. So now the Tories want to close that loophole. They say it's part of a wider plan to tackle obesity. They also say part of that should be forcing schools to increase the nutritional value of the meals they serve. So what do you think of that? Is that a good idea? 0333 2020 I've been talking to Lorraine Tullock from Obesity Action Scotland to get their take on it. We are looking forward to seeing the proposals that are be- being put forward by the Conservative Party um, and uh, look forward to seeing the detail of them. Uh, the whole idea around improving children's diet, and it's very important that we improve both children and adults' diets in Scotland if we want to tackle the challenge we face at the moment with obesity. Um, the school dining experience is, uh, is interesting and what children choose to eat at lunchtime um, is very important because that's obviously five meals of their week. Um, and it's a, an interesting issue and we would like to think about it in the wider context as well, about whether we need to do things uh, to also change the school dining experience itself to make sure that this, what is it that attracts children to go outside and how do we offer that within the school? Is it also to do with the spaces and the social settings um, and how do we offer that experience within the school? Is it just about the food? Are there other reasons why they're rejecting school meals? Uh, yeah, we think so. Um, the choice of food is important and children want to eat things that they, they like, but it's also about social um, and it's about time with their friends and it's about spaces that they like. And we also know, it, I mean, it might even be some children who just want to escape from school for that half hour of their day. Um, so there's lots of different reasons and lots of different things that drive children to make their choices at lunchtime. And it's really important that we think about all of those things and that we have um, healthy options for them, whether it's within school or out with school. And is it too late? But by the time they get to secondary school, does that focus need to be on the primaries? Um, education is very important. It's important that it starts at a young age. Um, and we already see a lot of action at nursery and school level around this. But education on its own is not going to be enough. Um, we know that children up and down the country will be able to tell us that five a day is what they should eat for fruit and veg. That doesn't always translate into what they bring for their snack at morning break. Um, so we actually need to change what 
choices people are making every day um, and what food do they value and choose and we need to do that by ensuring it's as easy and as affordable to pick the healthy option as it is to, to choose the unhealthy option. So it needs more than education, it also needs changes to the food environment around us to ensure um, price promotions on unhealthy foods are limited and advertising uh, is as the advertising is for healthy food as well as uh, other foods and that we start to restrict um, the advertising of unhealthy foods so that we are our choices are easier to make around healthy food. It kind of makes me wonder what more we can do here. I mean, is it just a case of keeping them locked in at lunchtime? Well, we um, need to take people with us on these changes and especially children. They, um, they need to um, enjoy food and value food. So we also need to make sure they can access healthy food and that they value and enjoy it. Um, and that's also about understanding what they need and what they want. And there is some evidence that uh, restrictions on their own or just bans from letting children out of school would, don't work, but it's about also so making sure there are alternatives for children to do, there are reasons why they want to stay in school and that could be around um, the food that's on offer, it could be around the spaces where they can um, hang out, socialise with their friends and it could also be around the activities that are on offer at lunchtime that they want to take part in um, and stay on the school grounds for those reasons. So is that fair on burger vans? That's uh, our question for you to start the programme this morning, 0333 Is it going too far to say where you can and can't run a chippy? Well, we grabbed a quick word with this lady who works on Danny's snack van, and that's parked outside Holyrood Secondary in Glasgow, which is well known as the biggest school in Scotland. And she told us there are misconceptions about the sort of things that they sell. I do spicy chicken wraps, and it's just chicken with spice on it on a wrap salad. I sell a lot of that, um, maybe some burgers, mostly, uh-huh. hardly any of my kids take chips whatsoever. It's a thing I don't sell, it's chips, if they want chips and that, I know they go to the Chinese and everything, uh-huh. but actually it's mostly chicken wraps I do. There you go, you see, they are paragons of healthy eating, these burger vans. That's what that lady from Danny's Snack Van told us. Well, Adele Dasty is the deputy teacher at that, deputy head teacher at that school, and she told our reporter, Ashling Press, what they're doing to try and compete with the takeaways. I think the statistic um, shocks you when you hear it straight away and you've got 82% of young Scottish people who have their lunch outside the school gate so it's something we can't stop happening. We work really, really hard with Cordia and we know that with the relationship we have with Cordia through our snag group that we can provide healthy lunches inside but it's what's happening beyond the school gates so we've been in a very fortunate position to be working with four of our external partners and those partners were told to us, if you like, by young people that these were the places that they ate. So we've engaged that business partnership and they're working with us on what we call a healthier packed lunch option and the costing is the same for all of the groups so the kids going to each of the shops it wouldn't matter in terms of the costings what they're getting in terms of a healthy lunch would be their fruit, their main meal and a healthy snack and a water so they're getting a lot out of their 250 so to speak. Now this is we're at the very very start of the, the campaigns, we're just opening that out and we're in a very fortunate position to be launching it with our first years and we'll look at the impact next year and see where we're at. And why do you think a healthy eating anti-obesity campaign is particularly important for young people of this age group? Well, I think if you look at the demographics of our area, first of all, we're a very multicultural society, for starters. And, you know, we do have our own poverty issues as well. So I think the inch by inch, breaking down the barriers of the better eating, better learning, and teaching young people from all households across our community, from those who are more enriched to those who are more vulnerable in our society, that everybody can eat a healthy lunch for a particular cost. And I think it's getting that message across that we can all eat the same and be healthy and make healthier choices for the same costings, no matter where we are in society. So there we go. We've uh, heard the arguments. Let's uh, find out what Scotland thinks on this. Uh, Joseph, first on the lines this morning. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning. Good morning. Happy, what... happy Easter to you. How are you two? So, so what do you say? Well, see, we're on about the burger vans, but now that's all changed now. You're getting all these little shops that's opening up, you know, roundabout schools now, takeaways and sit-ins and uh, kebab shops and all that, and chip shops. Now, the, the, these places... I'm not giving any nutritious foods to these kids. You see them coming out and they get big rolls with chips and gravy, chips and cheese and all these things. You see them eating them going down the road 
and and then they're that full up with the, the greasy stuff. They throw parts of it away in the street and everything. Oh, they leave a trail of destruction in their wake, don't they? I know, and it's terrible. And that's just I'm talking. That's only two hundred yards from the school, and there's another school and all. And they go up to the main street, and, it, and all these shops are supplying them with all this fat food. And it's not, I mean, it's the burger vans are gone now, practically. It's the shops now. They're opening all these little shops now, making money off the school kids, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I mean, people would say, well, that, that keeps the economy going. And, and you, you can't restrict trade, you know, if, if somebody, yeah, wa- if somebody uh, wants uh, to open a takeaway shop. Five shops right next to a school selling the same stuff, that's, that's, you must think that's a problem, don't you? Sorry, say again, Joseph? If, if there are four or five little takeaway shops in time all around about a school area. That's that's where the problem lies. But that's the that's the free market, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, should should uh, but they're doing that for uh, you know? I mean, it's not for the sake of the kids. They're doing it for themselves. But the point is, is they're not giving the nutritious foods to the kids. It's just fattening food. That's all they're doing is selling fat food. Well, have you been in and checked the menu? I mean, how do you know? I mean, because we spoke to the lady there at Danny's Snack Van, and she said, look, you know, it's mostly chicken wraps that I'm selling. I'm not selling the chips and things. You know, they, uh, they, they go to the Chinese for that. Down the main streets, uh, you know, they're just there. I've been. I, I, I mean, I bought, I bought by them all the time. And you see that it's not nutritious foods they're eating. You can see it, the, the rolls and the chips and the gravy, and then the container with the, the chips and the, the, the cheese on top. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, so you'd, you'd just ba- you'd back a ban. You're in the business of banning things, aren't you? No, not banning, but the, the, these, 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 are, these are quick uh, selling stuff to the kids. Yeah. So it's, it's a quick sale to the kids, and the kids are doing it. You know what I mean? And the rights. But it's, uh, I, I, when I know somebody, they should, shouldn't come out of schools at dinner time. They should be, they should be made to and use it, using it at the dining hall, which used to be years ago. Everybody went to the dining hall. It's just, I don't know what's happened today now. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I have to say, I, I would just keep them all in. I've, I've got kids at primary school, so my kids aren't at high school yet, but you know, yeah, they're, well, that, they're not allowed out. They do that abroad. They don't let the kids, the kids come out of school. And they, they're, all, they're all in school and they go, all, everybody goes to the dining hall. And I've been in America and they do the same. I've been in Norway. They, they don't come out of schools. They're, they're made to, uh, in the dining hall and have the their, their, their proper food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and and the problem in Scotland is they just come out here and it must cost a fortune for the mums and dads because it's not cheap. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you know. I don't know. I mean, if it's a if it's a highly competitive market, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it is cheap. Maybe you know, I mean, school meals. I think it's two quid at, at, at my my daughter's primary at the moment. Let's yeah. um, let's bring another perspective here. We've got John Carr on the other line as well. Morning, John. Thank you. Morning, Rob. Happy oh. Easter, my friend. Good morning. Stay with us, Joseph. You can join in this as well. Um, John, what, what, do, what do you what do you see? Do you see a tidal wave of kids every lunchtime? Well, I'll tell you what I see. First of all, what you've got to remember is that the government and their wisdom has already stopped free meals for a lot of kids. So that that certainly makes that an impact on obesity, because a lot of them are not eating at all now. Um, putting small businesses out of the game for the sake of uh, this so-called obesity. Listen, see if a kid wants a burger and chips, he'll walk the length of cell to get that burger and chips. Whether it's next to the school or a mile away from the school, I know I've seen that. I'm a taxi driver. I run people in a taxi to the school to get what they want. So it doesn't really make any difference. Really? They jump in a cab to go and get the kind of fast food that they want at lunchtime? Yes. And there's one um, from Garahill up to the shop. Wait on them and bring them back, and they'll pay £4 plus whatever they're getting to eat. And, And you keep the meter running the whole time, do you? No, no, not for the kids. No, no when they're in getting the meal. I don't. They're well, then you're encouraging them, John, aren't you? You're encouraging them. If you kept that meter running and, and you know, they had to put a fresh batch of chips on and, it, it, you know, the thing kept ticking up and up, they'd think twice about it. You you could solve this well, country's obesity crisis. I know I could, me, Rob. No, you're kidding yourself <laughs> on here. A bit of sarcasm here. I know, my man. No, it doesn't matter what price. It's the same as the drink thing. It doesn't matter what price you put on it. If they want it, they'll get it. So now, all this putting small businesses out of the game and moving them away from schools and all that, it's nonsense. Why no? See, in the days gone by, when I was at school, that was my best time of the day at school, was dinner time, when you went and got a good blooming bit of grub. A three-course meal? A three-course meal is my higher thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got the lady in the taxi joining in as well. Pass the phone to her. <laughs> Go on. I want to hear from her. Pass her the phone. Go on, John. No, I'm on, on you go. <laughs> um, well, um, when I was at school, we used to get your three-course meals, you know how. Um, but this day and age, um, 
You think so? I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I thought I thought all these fast food places were cheap though, and, and somebody took was was taking my, my girl out for uh, the evening a couple of weeks ago, and they said, "Oh, we're going to pop in at um, a well-known fast food outlet on the way home." And I gave her a fiver and said, "There you go, you know, go and get yourself something." I was expecting change back. I didn't get any change back, and I was quite shocked. No, and she laughed. She says, "A fiver, really? Is that for the ram? You're up for you behave yourself, you." What's, what's your name? What's the name of your fair? What's your name? Uh, Susan. Susan. Susan, thank you for joining us. It's been, it's been, been fabulous. I've, been, I've, I've enjoyed the chat. <laughs> you, uh, you, you, you have a great Easter day, all of you. And uh, Joseph, thanks for your call as well. I'm just going to give you uh, a couple of uh, tweets that have come in with the hashtag uh, Scotland's talking. Hell's Bell says, ban this, ban that. Scotland is turning into a not funny version of Father Ted. Rachel says, I would bring in laws that prevent food and drink manufacturers adding insanely large amounts of sugar to their products. Thank you for that, Rachel. And We Red Bird says, I would rather ban the cars that park outside the schools dangerously and then look at the long-term problems. You can keep those uh, tweets coming. Uh, our uh, hashtag is Scotland's Talking. Also, I'd uh, like to uh, get your texts as well. You can text Rob and then your message to 61054 and uh, we've got Liz who said uh, I think it's a difficult one the burger vans the people who have them are using them as their business but I do agree that school children would benefit from a healthier diet and I think it's up to the school to cater with better meals that would appeal to the children so uh, what do you think John what's um what, what's your uh, solution to the, the problem of uh, burger vans and what kids eat at lunchtime first of all very good morning Rob uh, big change for Mali. <laughs> uh, stop selling kangaroo meat from burger vines. That's what I would say. There's nothing wrong with kangaroo meat. Kangaroo meat is very healthy. I've got a butcher in my town sells kangaroo meat. But, I mean, would you eat skippy? You, you can get alligator. You can get zebra. You wouldn't believe the meat you can get at my local butcher. Anyway, anyway uh, that, that's a different subject. The burger vans. Quickly. The burger vans are not selling kangaroo. What would you do about them? Well, I mean, um, at the end of the day, please... Proficient foods are provided in schools. That's true. And they're very good meals. Because I always remember, uh, I used to queue up twice. <laughs> <laughs> what were they like in your days then? Uh, that, that, mind you, uh, I'm going back many years ago. You know, and uh, the fact that meals are made for children. Burger vans outside, I know they've got a business to do. They do it in housing schemes all over. I'm in Dundee, by the way. But that's a situation they've got a business to run. Outside schools, no. They should not be selling to children uh, various sumptuous burgers and various other artefacts are high in sugar content. Mm -hmm. But do you, th do you think the better way to do this is to is to have this restriction on trade, to, to sort of ban where somebody can can freely operate their business? Or should we just keep the kids in? I mean, what, why aren't the head teachers just locking the gates and saying, no, there's a perfectly good canteen here, you will not go out at lunchtime? No, you can't lock children in. Why not? Be safer against, for them, wouldn't it? It's against everything. But so is banning burger vans. That, that's, against, that's, that's against somebody lawfully carrying out their trade. They just want to sell food. But if they're parking on a yellow-red line, which is prominently outside schools, they shouldn't be there in the first place. Now, there's the other side. It's the police side. You've got to look to the policy side, the fact that why are they there? Are they attracting other businesses, i.e., with various, I'm, I'm not going to say this, but it could be a drug enforcement officer might come along and say, what are you doing here? Taking the registration number? Why are you part? And the guy says, oh, I'm only selling Skippy kangaroo stuff to the kids. But do you know that the fact that they could be maybe two months old 
sold in Iceland and various other shops. Oh, you know, I mean, there's, we have uh, you know, various food standards people who go out and sort of check, check these things for cleanliness. So let, let's not cast aspersions on, on how the burger vans are, are operating their business and their cleanliness. I think the issue is, is, is more about, you know, whether they should be able to legitimately apply their, their perfectly um, law-compliant trade there outside the schools or, or whether we should, you know, where, where the kids, you know, should the kids be educated uh, in, in a different way? Should we be focusing on, on, on the food they eat? I mean, that's what the, the deputy head teacher, Adele, was was talking about, what they do. I mean, they, I know particularly at the school in Glasgow, Hollywood Secondary, they've, they've had this um, very cool uh, canteen built that sort of looks like a, an American 50s diner as part of an effort to you know, try and entice the kids not to go somewhere else to stay on the school campus. Maybe, maybe that's the way we need to look at it. Maybe we should have a jukebox in there as well. I think they probably do, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. I've, I've seen pictures of it. It's fantastic. It's all sort of red and white. They've got the bar stools and everything sort of shiny chrome, you know, and that's, that's a bit of inventive thinking, isn't it? Oh, that's bringing me back to my youth again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was really taken aback by uh, the other John's call, you know, the taxi driver. He, he talks about, I mean, he's... I, w- I was going to suggest jokingly to him that you know maybe if they if they move the burger vans far, further away that people would, uh, your kids would start jumping in taxis, but they're doing that already. I found that absolutely astonishing. Well, where are they getting the money from? I know. They're supposed to be in poverty, allegedly. I know it's incredible, isn't it? Uh, if you've got any thoughts on this, um, join us in the conversation. We're oh triple three twenty twenty four oh one. This is uh, Scotland's talking. Uh, you can uh, join us in the conversation on Twitter with hashtag Scotland's talking. If you want to text, text Rob, and then your message to six one oh five four. Scotland's talking, the podcast. I've got Mike on the line. Mike, you are in a Hello. burger van at this very moment. Is Hello, that... how are you doing? I am fine. You run a burger van. I do. I've been here for 15 years now, and I'm right. I'm at Leith Links. I'm right outside St Mary's School. I've and... been here for 15 years. And you open it at lunchtime? I'm open six days a week, yeah. yeah. You are, you... According to our callers this morning, you are public enemy number one. Mike, defend yourself. Right, well, I'll tell you something now. First of all... As I say, I've been here for 15 years. 99.9% of all my business comes from the, work, the workers, the, the builders, the scaffolders, office blocks, taxi drivers. I don't serve any kids whatsoever. You don't? Whatsoever. And I'm right outside the school gates. Uh-huh. I don't sell chips. I don't sell sweeties. I don't sell crisps. I don't, sell, I don't entice any kids whatsoever to eat my, my, my snack van. Uh-huh. Somebody in the Scottish government thinks I should have my, li- my licence and my livelihood taken away from me. Well, this is, this is the Scottish Tories, to be fair, not, not the Scottish government. This is the Scottish Conservatives. I mean, there, there was... Well, the Scottish yeah. Conservatives, well, quite frankly, they haven't got, they haven't got a clue what they're talking about. <laughs> they haven't got a clue what they're talking about. Yeah, and, you th- and you thought they were the party I mean, of business. I mean, I, I'm all up for fighting obesity and all that. I'm uh-huh. all up for all that. OK, but you've got to start educating kids. I mean, as far as I'm led to believe, they don't even have any cooking classes now in schools. Mm. You know, I mean, if I was to show an aubergine or a courgette to half the parents, they'd disrespect the parents. They wouldn't even know what it is. <laughs> Um, do, do you do you see them? I and mean, do the obviously your parents outside, outside the school. You see what happens at lunchtime. Do you see them all leaving the school, or, or, or well, at that school do they stay well, in? First, first of all, I'm a primary school. The kids are not even allowed. Oh, out. Right. Ah, right. Okay. You know, yeah. but but as the Scottish Conservatives have they taken this into consideration? The kids are not even allowed out yet because I'm right outside of school. I have to have my license taken away from me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh huh. And uh, I mean, I imagine over, over 15 years, you build up quite a good reputation. You've got quite a regular clientele. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I, I, I must be doing something right here. And, I, and none, of my, none of my business at all comes from the kids. The only people I feed from the school are the teachers. <laughs> so they, they're then in to pop out for a burger then, are they? Well, they don't come out for a burger. I make fresh soup every single day. All right. Oh, that's you know, so they come yeah. out, they get a salad roll, they get a cup of yeah. soup, so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing. I mean, is, do do you think that kind of there's people? There's a bit of a myth about the the kind of food that's that's served. I mean, we're calling them burger vans this morning, but we we heard from a lady who they're, they're, uh, not, they're not burger yeah. vans at all. They're snack vans. Yeah, yeah. The snack vans. I mean, what what's your best seller? My best seller would be the soup, fresh soup every day. My salad rolls go very well. But I would say bacon and sausage roll. I mean, the British Army went to war on, on a breakfast and a bacon roll. For Christ's sake. Bacon you know roll I mean? burger, who's arguing? I mean, same thing, isn't it? Aye, but my point is, my point is, is that you've got some, some clown, as far as... I, I didn't mean to be disrespectful, but you've got a clown sitting up there wanting to ban everybody from outside a, a school. I mean, I've got a, I've got a shop on the corner. 
Yeah, I mean, a very good. Sh- there's a very good shop on the corner. He sells bacon. He sells sausage. He sells chips. He's going to get closed down as well. Well, I think... Yeah. And there's a chip shop. You want to shut that down as well. Well, I think they do, and this is this, this whole idea of the exclusion zone. Stay on the line, Mike. No, it's, it's all yeah. to do with education. It's all yeah. to do with education. Yeah, stay with us, Mike, because I'm... I'm, without, I'm any disrespect, without any disrespect to the parents as well, you know, half half the parents, you know, they don't care how to cook. Yeah, stay with us, Mike. Start teaching your kids how to cook. Mike, I'm loving your passion on this. Stay with us. Um, and uh, join in the conversation with Frank from Bishop Briggs, who's called in. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. What's, what's your take on this? Well, I think I agree with you. that If the children were kept in at lunchtime, then it really would solve the problem. I mean, if you think about it, the best schools in the country, Eton, Harrow, Gordonstown, do their children get out to lunchtime? I very much doubt it. Yeah, so are they subject to obesity? Well, no, probably not, because they, they do an awful lot of sport at these posh schools as well, don't they? But the just thing, I mean, although, I mean, folk can't afford to send their children to posh schools, but it doesn't mean that they can't follow the, the system they're using. Mm. So are you, you, your sympathies with, with, with Mike here, he's saying he's been running this business, you know, building up his reputation for 15 years, and he doesn't sell to the, the kids, he's, he's selling to the, the workies and the passing trade, yeah. and, and, and he says this will put it on a business. Well, it, it may do because he's lost in the trade from the children. But I mean, if, if he's, well, he doesn't sell to children. I mean, jo- join in, Mike, you know, you can be part of this conversation. Well, as, as I said, I'm, a, I'm outside a primary school, the kids are not even allowed out. But he will do if there's the ban, because what they're talking about is an exclusion zone. You well, know? I, I would imagine if the children are staying inside school, the ban wouldn't be, uh, 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 wouldn't be applied, would it? They wouldn't need to uh, ban the bans if children weren't going out, would they? Well, my understanding was the idea was a blanket thing. I mean, your van is mobile, I take it, Mike. You could move. Correct, yeah. yeah. I mean, would you be prepared to move? Move where? Well, from... have you, have you, have you, Every, every single wear in Edinburgh is a double yellow line. You can't park anywhere. Yeah, I mean, do, do you... Do you I, I don't know quite exactly how this... Do you have to have a specific licence for a specific oh, spot? Aye, aye, aye. You've got, aye, you've got to do... Everyone's above board. I mean, you've got to go through the council, and they're as strict as hell. You know, they're very, very strict on who they allow and who they, who they don't allow. Everything has to come up to spec, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, so... Frank's point is that we should keep the kids in. Um, presumably, no, I, I'm in total agreement yeah, with that. You'd agree with that, in yeah. The school. Keep yeah. them in the school. Yeah, and... Um, and by the way, and, and some of these school meals that they're serving the Burns, I mean, what happened to the kitchens that they used to have in the in the schools? Now they're sending up £1.20 meals for you down south and all that. It's rubbish. It's crap. I mean, when I was at school, you used to get lovely, lovely school meals, steak pie... Sponge and custard and things, so on, so, you know, things like that. And it was good, it was nice to eat. You wanted to eat it. But this stuff they're selling now is just airport meals. Yeah. It's crap. Yeah, apologies for anybody who's offended by uh, by Mike's language, but obviously, as you can hear, Mike, Mike's very sorry, uh, sorry. Mike's very passionate about uh, his business because right. uh, he, he feels that, you know, 15 years of work is, is about to, uh, to go down the drain here. Um, do either of you, I mean, have either of you got teenage kids? Do, do you think that, you know, all these healthy eating messages, you know, and, and, and putting salad in front of them. Does any of that do any good? You know, do they just have to grow up a bit and, and decide that the, there's more to food than, than junk food? Yeah. Are you talking to me there? I'm talking to both of you. All yeah. oh, right, all right. Well, there is. I mean, I mean, there's some great foods out there. I mean, I get a couple of the kids from um, uh, the secondary school, which is never near me. I mean, it's, it's a good half a mile away from me. But some of the kids that come over just come over for soup, soup alone. Ah, so you do get some of the kids? Yeah. Well, not for... I mean, I'm talking about half a mile away. But these are, that's a secondary school. But I only get about three or four of them. Right. Uh-huh. When they come over, they come over for soup. Yeah. They don't come in a taxi by any chance, do they? I beg your pardon? They don't come in a taxi. No, don't come in a taxi, no. Oh, well, no. they do in Glasgow. No. We've had, we've had, oh, well, we, we, we had John, the taxi well. driver, on the line earlier telling us that he, he is running kids from the school... To their fast food outlet of choice. I heard choice. it earlier on. I heard it earlier on. Oh well. <laughs> but, anyway, I've got to get away because I, you know people need myself. Aye. Well, Mike, it's been wonderful to talk to you, Frank. Um, Frank, stay, stay, stay with me just uh, just the uh, last few minutes before we, uh, we 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 go to the news. Um, I think the, the, the very fact that children are staying in school makes the uh, makes point irrelevant. You know, he's saying that uh, he lose his business. I don't. Why would he lose his business if he's not getting any money from schools? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, obviously he's worried about uh, the, the, the location of his license or whatever it's going to be. But if, 
problem for a minute, is it? Okay, well, thank you very much indeed, Frank, for for calling in this morning. Uh, A couple more texts uh, that have come in. I'll get squeezes in before we go to the news. If you want to text the show, uh, text Rob and then your message to 61054. We've got Claire who says, uh, good morning, Rob. Good morning, Claire. That's very polite. She says, I think the obesity problem in kids is down to the parents. I don't understand why schools and businesses get the blame. If you want your kid to eat healthily, give them a healthy lunch. Take to the school. Don't give them money to buy rubbish. And also, a lot of the parents fat themselves okay so maybe they should do a bit more walking or housework or even exercise but i think the parents are to blame says claire so there you go she's uh, she blames it on the parents and uh, john's contribution here he says uh, on snack vans rob maybe we need to be following the recent example in japan where the kids are educated about food and cooking they cook and serve each other it seems a good idea to me says john well, you can uh, keep your thoughts coming, if you like, uh, on the, the burger van subject. Uh, our phone number 0333 We'll have the news uh, in uh, just a second. And uh, in the second hour of the programme, I want to talk uh, about these uh, really horrible emails that uh, were doing the rounds uh, in, in the last week, uh, inciting attacks on, on Muslims and, uh, and Catholics as well. I'm just wondering whether these keyboard warriors, we should just treat them like the children and just ignore them. Maybe maybe making a fuss about it is just giving them the attention. Maybe they just get off on that. Maybe um, maybe we should just uh, just uh, turn a blind eye to it. Uh, and also vaping. Do you think doctors should be positively encouraging smokers to switch to e-cigarettes? Give me your calls on that. This is Scotland's Talking. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. And I'm Rob Waller. Good morning. Uh, sitting in for Ali this morning. Uh, loads of uh, great conversation uh, about uh, burger vans, or perhaps, as I should call them, uh, snack vans. Rather taken to task by uh, Mike, who runs one just a, a few moments ago. Uh, let's um, get a call uh, from Ian in uh, Pennycook. Good morning, Ian. Morning, Rob. Nice to hear you again. Thank you very much. Um, what do you say? Rob, what I would say is that uh, when I was growing up, primary school was five minutes round the corner. There was a school uh, school uh, dining room. Uh, when I went to secondary school, that was 15 minutes up the road. Uh-huh. Also had a dining room. But, uh, okay, didn't want to close school gates. So I could run down the road, and, and my mother was here ready to make my, my, my dinner meals. By both schools, which was great. Yeah. Now when you think, uh, okay, there's more and more nurseries opening up, and that's all due to the fact that the parents are both out working. Yeah, of course they are, yeah. So, well, just try, just try to make ends meet. But, OK, then, they're making money, and obviously what you're saying earlier on there, you're talking about taxes and going to shops and all the rest of it. Obviously, the kids have got the money to do that, but and their, and their parents are obviously making the money. Uh, and I, I've got to admit, never, ever had a, a school meal in my life. No, so never? I've never, ever uh, sampled... A lumpy custard or anything like that. It was my mother's homemade meals all the time because both my brothers and my father all worked local. So my mother was here to make the meals every day, so that was fine. Yeah, you see, I mean, I I went to school oh, getting on for 30 years ago now, but I, I, I never was allowed to go home at all. Um, prim, primary school, you were, you were kept in, nobody went home, and, and my mum was working a lot of the time. And then... Secondary school, my, my, my secondary school was six miles away. I had to get a, a bus every day because I lived in a wee village. And you know, nobody, even, even though it was in a town, nobody was allowed off the premises. At my school, you know, if, if, you, were, if you were caught uh, you know, outside the, the, the school gates at lunchtime, you know, you, you were in big trouble for that. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe we need to go back to those days. Well, everybody, whether it was at lunchtime, they would, they would, they would, if the kids that were having their meals... Once they'd had their meals about kicking a ball or, or whatever they were, all playing, whether it be the boys or the girls, playing in, in the playground. Now, Rob, if they were to close these the, the, the dinner rooms and all the staff and all that was to all get paid off, there would be people pulling their hair out. They'd be going bananas because these places were shutting down. Well, it's quite a lot of them that have, quite frankly. I don't know frankly. what the percentage is that are using them. It's not uh, a lot, is it? Percentage using them, percentage not using them. Yeah, well, I mean, we I had the... We, we had the. It's a quality meal. That's guaranteed. Yeah. We had the stat from the deputy head at Hollywood Secondary. She was she was talking about eight out of ten of their students at Scotland's biggest secondary school. 
eight out of ten going well, elsewhere at lunchtime. Well, OK, one of the schools further down the road here, they all come, and there must be, oh, 60, 80 kids come up, but the mess that they make with the paper and everything, Rob, with their, their wrappers and their, their plastic containers and all these sort of things. Oh, I know. I mean, That's don't get me started well. on that. And, and it's always... And there's never any mess during the school holidays... Because they're never there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and of course, you see, all, you see all the shops with the, the signs that say, you know, no more than two pupils in at one no, time or correct. whatever. Yeah. Aye, aye, you're right, aye. Yeah. High security and whatever, aye. Well, that's, a, that's another, another problem, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, lock them up. Lock them up, I say. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Ian... I wouldn't go as far as that. Oh, I would. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. You know, gates have keys. Um, anyway, let's move on to uh, another subject. Uh, you can still keep your calls coming in uh, on, on the on the burger vans and... Uh, and keeping kids uh, prisoner at school all day. The number's 0333-2020-401, and we'll get back to those uh, at the end of the show. Uh, but uh, I need to move on to uh, another topic we're talking about this morning. I want to know whether you think doctors should be encouraging smokers to become vapours, you know, ditch the real cigarettes and pick up the electronic ones. The health watchdog in England, the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, has put out new advice down there to GPs saying that they should tell smokers that e-cigarettes are safer than tobacco, but they have stopped short of saying that doctors should actively recommend them because they say there's still some uncertainty over their long-term impact. Uh, we're here in Scotland last year, 20 organisations signed up to a consensus that was led to by the NHS, and it uh, had also anti-smoking and anti-cancer charities putting their names to it. Their advice was that you tell a smoker that whether or not you use e-cigarettes, you should try to quit smoking for the sake of your health, and that your best chance of quitting comes from a combination of medicines and lifestyle, so kind of, you know, patches and you know taking exercise and, and good old willpower and things like that and uh, if you use e-cigarettes just to cut down on your actual cigarettes then that doesn't work you don't get any benefits but uh, they say they shouldn't turn anyone away just because they choose to use an e-cigarette so earlier this morning uh, before the show started i talked this through with neil mccallum he's the chief executive of jack vapor who sell these devices and to start off, I asked him to tell me how they work. E-cigarettes, good morning first and foremost. E-cigarettes work uh, on, a, on a basic um, way by it's a battery attached to a heating element that vaporises liquid to deliver nicotine and flavours um, into the system. It's different from cigarettes because there's no burning and how it works is it takes a wee couple of minutes for the nicotine to process through your system. It's, it's a poorer delivery system than cigarettes for nicotine, but you do get the same thing. It's, there's just a slight delay to it. So what you essentially do is you buy an e-cigarette. It has a coil in it, which is a heating element, and you soak that in e-liquid, and that generates vapour, which you inhale. Now, I have never smoked a cigarette in my life, so I, I wouldn't know whether there's, there's any real difference. I mean, you're still sucking on something, basically, yeah? You're still inhaling, inhaling the vapour off, off an e-cigarette into, into your lungs to deliver a, a, a nicotine hit. Yes. And you see people using them. I mean, first of all, some of these things are huge, aren't they? I mean, they're... Yeah, they're not like a you know like a, a biro pen that you, you the size of a cigarette. I mean, these are these are big, huge, fat things, and that they create this huge cloud of of steam. Is it is it kind of like a sort of wet steam that that you inhale yourself when, when you're using them? Is it is it is it a bit like sort of getting on the receiving end of of a steam iron or something? Well, the, the, there's two things associated with that. Strangely enough, is 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 people's uh, opinions when they say e-cigarettes. Uh, are, are these big, huge things. But uh, if you look at uh, us at Jack Vapor, the majority of the devices we sell are tiny because people don't want the big things. It's about the delivery of the nicotine and having a safer alternative. So there are those massive devices with three batteries in it that generate huge amounts of, of vapour, but there also are uh, very small devices. In fact, there's liquids that deliver no vapour for people that want to do it very discreetly. So it's it's up to each individual. And it is essentially, when you see the exhale of an e-cigarette, what you essentially see is steam that's coming off, like you would say, steam that's coming off a kettle, for instance. That's what it is. So the, the these big, huge ones, is that just a fashion thing? Or is there a difference? So do they provide a... A bigger hit and, and give you more flavour or something? Well, you can... 
if you go for higher wattage and higher power devices, you you typically get a, a hotter vapor and get different flavors. So that there's two e-liquid bases that you can get. There's a propylene glyco and vegetable glyco are the the two main bases that you get. And these are typically VG that are designed to create largest amount of vapour because that's what the individual like. One PG, which is propylene, has a much higher throat hit and VG is a smoother draw but produces more vapour. Because you, you do see people going down the street like a blooming steam train, don't you? You do, and there's an element for that for the, for the market. But if you look, for instance, if you look at our customer base, our average customer is aged between 35 and 44. So they're not of that generation. They're people that just want to get a safer, less harm uh, delivery of nicotine. Yeah, and as you say, it is, it is still nicotine. So presumably, these are still addictive. So they might, they might wean you off a, uh, a tobacco cigarette, but you're still going to be addicted to using this device, aren't you? Because you're, you're still going to yeah. want that nicotine. Well, nicotine is addictive. There's no doubt to that, but it's also benign as a substance in general, it does no major harm to any individual other than it's got an addictive quality. So the things that upset on cigarettes are all the other stuff that's in the cigarettes that cause the cancer and all the other uh, heart problems, those type of things. In an e-cigarette, you don't have any of them. You just have the nicotine, which is the bit the body craves. Yeah, I mean, people have raised concerns that there might be other stuff that we just don't know about yet. In, in, in the liquids, people people worried about toxic chemicals. What do you tell your customers? Well, what we tell customers, if, if, at point of combustion of a cigarette, there's 5,000 chemicals at the point of combustion. At the point when you come to an e-liquid, for instance, there's only ever five chemicals in it. And the five chemicals have been about for hundreds of years and have been proved perfectly safe. It's right to say it's not risk-free, Nothing's risk-free. And e-cigarettes, nobody's claiming that, that there's not a risk associated with it. But if Public Health England suggests that it's 95% safer than smoking a cigarette, at least 95%, uh, the Institute of Physicians and the BME have all come out endorsing those figures, it's a less harm way of receiving nicotine and living a healthier lifestyle if you're struggling to, to quit. I mean, we're asking the question on the programme this morning, you, do we think doctors should be actively pushing these things? Obviously, as a, as a person who sells them, you're going to say yes. So that's a silly question. But tell, tell me why. Why do you think they should? Well, I, I smoked for 29 years. I was one of those people that tried everything to stop smoking and it didn't work for me. And e-cigarettes did work for me. So I, I know how healthy I feel opposed to the times when I smoked. I know that I've taken a, a reduced harm approach to this. I enjoy vaping. I know you're not meant to see these things, but I really enjoy it. And I enjoyed smoking. I did. But as as a middle-aged man that's married with kids, I understood the risks I was putting myself towards. So I, I moved to uh, vaping as a less harm because I didn't believe I had the willpower, nor did I really ever uh, believe that I would be able to stop. So if you're seeing a doctor... And it's more effective than nicotine patches. The most healthiest choice you can make in your life is not to smoke and not to vape. But if you can't get there, like I can't get there, then pick the lowest risk option. The lowest risk option is to vape. So I do believe doctors should be able to tell people that. And the the shops are not supposed to sell them to, to non-smokers. C can you give the guarantee that that doesn't happen? Well, it's not the shops are not the shops are not allowed. It's, it's illegal to buy a cigarette if you are under eighteen, and most shops and and, and most reputable vendors are, do a challenge twenty one, challenge twenty five. So uh, you don't really want to be selling it to people that don't want it. And if you look at the gateway effect, which is the big concern that you're going to attract people that were never going to smoke into using e-cigarettes, and that's going to lead to that. The latest studies are saying uh, the people that actually vape is 0.2, that have never smoked is 0.2%. So it's tiny. There doesn't seem to be a gateway effect at the moment. The people we're interested, uh, Jack Vapor in particular, and interested in are attracting smokers over to e-cigarettes and having a less harm future. And just uh, one more thing uh, I want to ask about. We, we have, there's, there's always some um, horror stories, but 
I have seen a couple of things that did the round where, obviously, as you say, these are, these are electric, they have, they have a heating element in it. We, we've seen cases where they have exploded. People have had teeth knocked out, second-degree burns. Uh, what does the industry say on that? Two, two separate things. Uh, the, the teeth knocked out um, are, are things which is a unique set of the market which is called um, mechanical mods, which is not something we sell. We sell uh, electric and ele- electronic cigarettes, which have got all sorts of safety features built in that would prevent that ever from happening. The second point, which you would say, which is, is reasonable, these are things that have got high-power batteries in it, like your mobile phones and everything else, and they do have a failure rate like a mobile phone or anything else, but in comparison to cigarettes and house fires and everything that's associated with it, it's tiny. Neil, thanks so much for joining us on Scotland's Talking this morning. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. So, what do you think? Do you think the doctors should be actively pushing e-cigarettes? If they get a smoker in their, in their consulting room, should they sort of lean over and say, Mrs Jones, have you tried one of these? Do you think that's the answer to cutting down on smoking? Would you like your doctor to be pushing an e-cigarette on you? You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. Got a couple of uh, people uh, who got in touch uh, using uh, the hashtag Scotland's Talkin' on Twitter on the vaping subject. Philboy says, I smoked 20 a day for 18 years. I tried everything and nothing worked. Two days with an e-cigarette and now I'm four years cigarette free. I feel so much better. I've got an interesting hobby as well. When the CRC and the Royal College of Physicians say it's 95% safer, then yes, GPs should encourage vaping. And we've got the Brewster who says, we don't know how safe e-cigs are yet. GPs should be trying to help people to stop smoking, not pushing an alternative that still keeps you addicted. Because uh, as Neil was saying uh, in the interview I had with him there, you know, they contain nicotine and they're still Addictive. Maybe maybe better for you, but still addictive. So two different views there on uh, on our Twitter. Keep those coming. Hashtag Scotland's Talking. You can text into the show as well. Text Rob and then your message to 61054. I'd also like your thoughts on this. Uh, we saw the worst of the internet again in the last week. There was a couple of emails during the rounds. You might have heard about them, that they were so full of hate and biggery that uh, really it's beyond the power of description, quite frankly. Uh, the first of them that came to light was um, called Punish a Muslim. It encouraged people to carry out attacks on members of the Islamic community and you got given points for different kind of assaults. Well, Labour MSP Anna Sawa brought that up at a meeting with police chiefs at Holyrood on Tuesday evening. We've had uh, two women that have been assaulted, one at a supermarket, one at a shopping mall. There's a young girl at high school who was asked if someone could pull her hijab off and film it so they could earn 25 points as part of this Punish a Muslim campaign. There's been a woman who was racially abused and assaulted by three men on a train station. People are telling me quite directly that they're scared about going out that day, that they're not sure whether they should let their children out that day, for example. And we've got to reassure the community that they will be protected by the police, that these people don't speak for Scotland at large or the UK at large, that they are a hate-filled minority that will not be allowed to change our way of life. Well, Superintendent David Pettigrew told us that the police couldn't prove there was a connection. The content of these letters are absolutely despicable and there's absolutely no place for it in Scottish society. But we have received no letters in Scotland and there has been no hate crime or incidents that we can directly attribute to the contents of these letters at this time. There have been incidents that Mr Sauer has raised, but in reviewing these incidents, it's not possible to actually directly attribute them to the contents of the letter. Well, the same night, the Glasgow Cathcart MSP, James Dornan, uh, tweeted that he'd been sent an email which was very, very similar, inviting people to join in a game that was called Smash a Catholic. Now, that's not the exact words on the email, uh, but I'm not about to repeat on the radio the one that they did use. And, uh, well, it seemed pretty clear to me that this was a copycat thing. You know, one one was inspired by the other. James reported it uh, to the police, and uh, my colleague Colin Stone discussed what happened with David Scott from the anti-sectarianism charity Nil by Mouth. 
This is really one of the most spineless and gutless ways of expressing sectarian behaviour in Scotland, to send somebody these sort of threats, to threaten this sort of violence against innocent people from the safety of hiding behind your keyboard, really shows the type of spineless, gutless, moronic creature we're dealing with here. We were appalled by this sort of behaviour. We were appalled when people feel that they can use the internet as a way of peddling hate. What we also want people to remember, though, is that this probably is the actions of just one lone individual. It's hopefully not a concerted effort by people to do it. It's a, it's a plea for attention, it's a plea for somebody to look at them, to acknowledge them it hopefully isn't part of something from a wider movement, but we do feel it's properly correct that the police investigate And what would you say your reaction's been to how the online community how, how people generally responded to what they were seeing? I think anybody that was sensible and anybody who really would put their name to things that they tweet or post online was appalled by this and spoke out against it. I haven't seen anybody saying it's a good idea or it's something positive to do, because really it isn't. It's an indefensible way of behaviour and the person behind it has very much left themselves open to criminal prosecution because of this gutless sectarian behaviour. So it's good to see people on the internet speaking out in support of James. It's good at people also saying what nonsense it actually is, because it's very important that sometimes we don't let this sort of behaviour overshadow a lot of the good work that's been done across Scotland to tackle sectarianism and the broadly very good and positive relationships we have between football fans, uh, we have between people of different religious backgrounds. You know, Scotland is a problem that has, it's a country that has an issue with sectarianism, but we don't want to overstate it. And what people like this are trying to do with their behaviour is trying to suggest that there's a lot more deeper tensions in society, which I don't actually believe is the case. Would you say that this sort of sectarian behaviour remains a problem? in this country? Is it is it a, a reducing problem? We would never want to overstate the extent of sectarianism in Scotland. It's important everything is kept in perspective. There is issues with people who refuse to accept we're living in the 21st century, who refuse to accept that people can fall in love across different boundaries, that people can, from different religious backgrounds, can mingle, can socialise, can work together. There are those who cling on to these old, outdated ideas that somehow there's always been a them and always been an us. However, we shouldn't be complacent about it. Sectarianism does lurk in our society. There are hundreds of people arrested every year for sectarian behaviour. We've high-profile incidences um, when people have been targeted for explosive devices in the post. Uh, things have happened in and around football uh, as, a, as a kind of issue. So it, it is something that still is there. It is something that, that needs to be dealt with. The Scottish Government have announced in the last week a good programme of about half a million pounds worth of programmes, including Mill by Mouth, that will work to tackle sectarianism, crucially in schools, crucially with bringing a new generation, a new generation that will deal with the technology, that will make the decisions of tomorrow, to actually remind Look, difference and diversity is a good thing. We don't have to fear people that are different to us from different religious backgrounds or different cultures. Diversity is something to be valued. And as for the individual or individuals even who put this flyer together, do you think it was done in jest? And and if so, is there even a place for that? Absolutely no way you can justify what James Dornan has publicised as banter. There are very, very clear threats been made against people from different religious backgrounds and things there. Anyone dismissing that as somehow banter, somehow a bit of fun, lives on another planet. And quite frankly, if you think that this sort of behaviour is justifiable, if you think this behaviour is somehow uh, this really bad attempt at humour, you live on a different planet from the rest of us. This is one of the most crass, ignorant, cowardly acts of sectarianism we've ever came across. And we hope that the full force the law is brought against the individual who lacked the guts to even stick their name to it uh, and actually admit to what they're doing and I'm proud of what they're doing. So the reality for this person is they've left themselves open to criminal prosecution for their behaviour and I don't think anybody's going to have a great deal of sympathy with them because of that. And lastly, would you say that this is just a reminder that there's still more work, there's more education needed in Scotland on this issue? incident is a reminder that there are still individuals in Scottish society who, who enjoy hurting abuse of people that are different, who feel threatened by the fact that the rest of us can get on in a civilised way and talk and enjoy each other's company and fall in love with one another and behave in a way that's very civilised. There's still those who don't want that to happen. There's still those who want to use the fantastic resources of social media and technology, uh, the technology of the 21st century, to use the, the mentality of the Middle Ages. And those of us who oppose them, and I firmly believe that the vast majority of people in Scotland to continue to do that, to continue to speak out, to continue to have good relationships with people from different backgrounds to our own, because Scotland is bigger, better and brighter and bolder than bigotry. Well, that was David Scott, who's from the anti-sectarianism charity Nil by Mouth there, talking to uh, Colin Stone. So the question I want to put to you is this. Have the politicians all done the right thing by drawing this to public attention? 
is making a fuss about these kind of bigots online just playing into their hands? You know, does it spark copycat attacks? I mean, we had, say, the, the Punisher Muslim thing came out on Monday and then the next day, the very next day, this MSP gets an email in his box with a very similar thing, only it's all aimed at Catholics. 100 points if you do this. 500 points if you do this. 1,000 points if you do that, etc., etc. Clearly, clearly a, a copycat thing. So all these people are speaking out. They're, they're condemning the attitudes, because obviously it's wrong. But is encouraging, is it encouraging the people who think they're being funny, who think they're oh so clever by, by sending these emails out? And what are the chances that sooner or later, you know, there's going to be someone who is mindless enough to go through with the things they're suggesting. You know, as, as Margaret Thatcher said about the IRA, you know, are we better to deny them the oxygen of publicity? Obviously, no one, no one is going to approve in their right mind of the kind of things these people are putting in emails, but are we encouraging them by making a song and dance about it? And I'm minded of uh, also some advice I was given when, uh, when I became uh, a parent, and, and they were talking about sort of disciplining their, your, your kids. And this um, psychologist said, the thing to do is ignore the bad behaviour and praise the good because they're just doing it for attention. And if they get your attention, then they'll keep doing it. And that's how you're supposed to deal with children. So these online keyboard warriors, should we treat them like children? Rather than, rather than everyone making a fuss about these emails, should we just ignore it? Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Uh, we were talking just before the break um, about uh, how we should be reacting to these horrid, horrid emails that were going around this week, uh, inciting attacks against uh, Muslims and, and Catholics. And I was wondering whether these sort of online keyboard warriors, we should treat them like you're told to treat your children. You know, um, they're just doing it to get attention, so, so just ignore it. Uh, Lorraine's called in from Edinburgh. Good morning, Lorraine. Good morning, Rob. Good morning. What, what, what's your take on this? Well, I wanted to tell you about an incident that happened to myself and my husband. Mm -hmm. um, it was a racist um, thing um, towards us. And uh, we are white um, people, and we were doing um, a car boot sale. Uh, it was an indoor car boot sale, and uh, so we were in quite an enclosed space. And I've never really given any thought or worry to about any racism before. I've done two or three of them. Um, however, two or three months ago, we were there and um, doing this car boot sale, and I had some very nice things for sale from the house, which, you know, I get fed up with and get rid of and what have you. And I had a cheese board with the um, tools for cutting the cheese there as well. And uh, these three um, Asian lads of probably early 20s, I would say, came along and stood there and looked and stood directly in front of me. I, my husband was off to the side of the car and I was at the other side of the table. And um, one of them picked up the small cheese knife that was there and looked me in the eye and then dragged the knife across his throat. And then his friend, one of the other lads, did the same thing with one of the other implements that was there. And I then, I was so shocked, I just stood there looking at them, and then suddenly I found my voice, and I sort of went, Oi, what do you think you're doing? And they, they just sniggered and laughed and put them down and walked off. And the one who hadn't done anything looked at me and mouthed silently, I'm sorry. Um, so well, at least that's know, something, it, I suppose. Pardon? At least that's something. At least one of them, you know, well, yeah, realised how out of order they were being. Exactly, but um, it was frightening. Yeah. It makes you just think what could happen. And, you know, it's not only a one-way thing. It can work both ways as well. And what, what, was, what was going through your mind? I mean, apart, you know, I mean did, did you actually feel well, threatened? Well, I was in shock. Completely. Yeah. I couldn't believe what was happening in front of me. I just couldn't believe it. We did report it, and, of course, they'd gone by then, but we did report it. Um, but what could anyone have done in a situation like that? I did report it to the anti-terrorist team because that's what you're told to do. And yeah. they were very grateful. And although I didn't have names of anything, they did put it all on their database because they said that was very important. Yeah. And you, I mean, how, how old were these lads? I, mean, you, I would say about 22, 23. Oh, right. Well, they're men. Yeah. They're men. Let's, let's not yeah. make excuses and say that they're, they're children, they don't know better. They, they, are, they are men. 
Yeah, they were they they were men, and they knew what they were doing. And the look in his face when he did it was really it was frightening. But I was so shocked when he did it that when the other one picked something up to do the same thing, then I found my voice. I wasn't afraid actually. I I, I spoke to them like a child. I went, "Oi, what do you think you're doing?" Like this. Yeah. Um, and it was afterwards that I thought, "Gosh, anything could have happened then." Yeah, and what do you think they meant by that? I mean, I've. I've got a pretty clear idea of, of what I think that was all about in, in term, you know, from having heard your story, but I'd, I'd like to hear what you, you, what, what you think might have, might have been the motivator for that. I, I think that they, want, they, they were saying they would like to slit my throat. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking that they got that from all this publicity about these kind of ISIS videos, from, yes, the, from, from the horrid murder of, of the people you know, that we saw in, in, in Syria. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that too. Yeah. So and it's, it's, it's copycat, isn't it? Spreads and oh, it's just horrid. But anyway, that that's what happened to us. Yeah, and and so I mean, so as we're both sort of thinking along the same lines about how this happened, did, does it make you think that perhaps at the time when there was all these all the media coverage of Jihadi John and and you know even even though the the, the media weren't you know, weren't showing the, the pictures of the horrible things that they were doing, you know, there was, there was like stills were taken and it. It became a thing, you know. It was Jihadi John and all that. But maybe if if that had never been made public, then these two lads wouldn't have stood in front of you at this indoor car boot sale and thought they were being so terribly clever to to drag a a knife across their throat and, and look you in the eye like that. Yeah, exactly. I do. I do. I think you know all of this publicity. People should know what's going on in the world. Obviously, we have to know. But. Um, I- <laughs> You know, like like everything, like the things you were talking about just just recently, the online stuff and mm. everything. It's just it's all going crackers. Yeah, and it, and it, it's like tit for tat, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly that. I mean, that, that, that was the first thought that came into my head when when the next morning I came into work and and um, saw that uh, James Dornan had been tweeting about the email that he'd received, and just it was so similar to this to this Punisher Muslim uh, email that had been doing the rounds on on Tuesday. I thought that's that's just. It's just some idiot thinking they're clever, you know. And it got me thinking, you know, I wonder, you know, should should we even be mentioning this? You know, maybe maybe it'd be far better if 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 we just ignore them, like we'd uh, like, like I was told to ignore my children's bad behaviour. Yeah. Um, we've we've got Fiona's joined us on the line as well, so I'd love her to to join in uh, the thoughts. Well, what are you saying, Fiona? Uh, to be honest, I take issue with your last caller and her comments about people who described as Asian at a car sale picking up knives and what was obviously a threat inspired by ISIS. I mean, that's a ridiculous statement to make in this day and age. Just because three young males behaved in a socially unacceptable way, you can't possibly use that as evidence as a link to terrorism. I mean, that's insane. (laughs) Absolutely ludicrous. Lorraine? Sorry, I I couldn't understand what that lady was saying. Fiona Fiona thinks that, that both you and me have jumped to a ridiculous conclusion. Really? Just because somebody is of Asian origin. I mean, how do you know these people were Asian? I presume it's because they've got brown skin. You've assumed that they're Asian. So therefore, no, 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 not at all. You're a journalist. What I'm telling you is what happened, that was a fact. What happened, my husband and I were there, and that's what these Asian people did to us. And I'm saying it works both ways. Yeah, I mean, Fiona, I'm not what, what... they didn't do that, but what I'm saying is that's not evidence of any kind of link to terrorism. But Fiona, what, 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 what possible thing that. could you? That's how it all begins. Yeah. That's all. That's all we're saying is that how it all begins. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, I'm you really need to educate yourself and stop buying the Daily Mail or ever talk to your And neither do I. Absolutely ludicrous. Okay, we're, we're going to have to speak one at a time here. It caused division in the UK. Full stop. Just because you've, you've you. decided that somebody's saying. of Asian appearance doesn't mean that because they behave in a unacceptable or bad way. That but hang on, Fiona. What, Fiona? What? What is? What can ever be acceptable about picking up a knife in front of somebody, looking them in the eye, and dragging it slowly across their throat? I, I, I'm I don't not ki- saying for one minute. I'm, I'm very clear on that. I'm not saying that's acceptable. Right. What I am saying is that you can't decide on the basis of that that somebody's a terrorist. I wasn't saying they're a terrorist. I wasn't saying they're a terrorist. What I'm saying is, I think they've got that idea. I didn't say from, you said that. I'm, I'm saying... Is saying that 
this is how it stops. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying I think they got the idea from the coverage. I'm saying they've got this idea from seeing coverage of ISIS videos and things like that, and it's made a couple of blokes who think that it's funny, who think it's a laugh, think, oh, that'd be a good thing to do. That's a very dangerous generalisation and assumption to make, is my point. It's the logical conclusion to come to, isn't it? No, I don't think it is at all. There's plenty of nice crime in Scotland, plenty of nice crime in Scotland, and it's not all related to or inspired by jihadists. Okay. I think you need to be very, very careful when making generalisations like this because they're dangerous. OK, well, Fiona, thank you for your call. It's all about the debate, and thank you for, for coming on and, uh, and giving the alternative point of view because there are always uh, two sides to every story, and we appreciate that uh, very much. And th- thank you for, to, to Lorraine as well for, for calling in and uh, giving a, a, her story as well. Ali's back with you next Sunday from 10 o'clock. Uh, I've been Rob. Thank you for joining us. This is Scotland's Talking. You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'.